So he walks up and he hands me the heart. And I'm like, yes, this is quite good. And I just, right in front of him, just like shovel it into my face and take a huge <laughs> bite out of it and just tear out of it. I'm just looking at his face. He's like, oh, oh, God. Uh, uh. <laughs> Welcome to 321 Lay On, podcast about LARPing, with me and my brother, Evan. Heyo. Recently got back into LARPing, and wanted to start a podcast to talk about some of the topics and meet some more people in the community. Uh, right now, focusing on Frontier Dawn LARP, uh, LARP in eastern Pennsylvania, that we have enjoyed. Great group of players and an awesome staff. Uh, nonprofit, actually, organization, which is cool, too. Uh, in this episode, we're going to speak with Tiffany and Patrick. They are on staff. Uh, two people very involved in writing plot, writing, coming up with mods, um, a little bit of rules and stuff too. So we mostly focus on that. One of the fi- things I find interesting are all the influences on uh, plot writing and coming up with different things and where people are kind of drawing inspiration from these days. Yeah, they're uh, really good at what they're doing. It's pretty impressive stuff, and uh, man, this last event, there were some re- really cool mods that we went on that just blown my mind. You know, all the prep that goes into preparing what's going to go on, what the player's going to do, what you want the players to do, uh, what people are wearing, and what people are saying, and you know, all that. And then to see it unfold, it's really cool, and especially with the last event we did or last mod we ran just went off without a hitch and everyone was really excited and how well it went off and the players reacted exactly the way they wanted them to yeah that was a lot of fun when we first started larping a long time ago we were younger and super new to it um so we kind of aren't as familiar as the inner workings of like how plot runs and how that typically goes in different games you know as i'm sort of researching other larps out there and listening to other podcasts um people are talking about that uh in a different way than i might maybe realize you know but with a larp it's very much you're involved and it's like a living thing and it's has a lot more personal influence maybe back in the day we were mostly concerned with how we protected sheep (laughs) and passed some wolves (laughs) (laughs) those are the kind of mods we ran back years ago right now seeing you know the actual storyline a lot more is is great in a sense of what is going on inside this world they've created right and it's a smaller game so i think it's easier to tune in on what the players are after you know how much role playing they want versus a big battle versus puzzles and things like that and it's it's really actually a good mix of all that i think yeah i agree cool all right well I hope you enjoy this conversation with Tiffany and Pat. Thanks, guys, for talking with us, and hope you enjoy. Alrighty, joining us now are Patrick and Tiffany. We're going to discuss writing mods and running a game, that kind of thing. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Well, um, I am, in my day job, I am a music teacher, and I work with middle school students. And I'm excited to actually take my students to the Renaissance Fair this year. So I get to merge my nerd life and my professional life a little bit once in a while. Um, But I've been with um, the Project Frontier Dawn since the beginning of the company. 
Um, Frontier Dawn is through a nonprofit company called the Eternal Pizza Party Productions Incorporated, and uh, we we had a chance to develop this with uh, our big group of friends here. Um, we've been running some other little side projects on the side, but Frontier Dawn is our flagship, and I've had a great time helping to write the rules books. Um, that was my main role in starting things out was on rules. I'm also part of like the production team, and I help create props and stuff, and then once in a while I'll get pegged to write a mod. Um, well, I'm currently a happy stay-at-home husband. Um, gives me a lot of free time to do a lot of the mod writing, um, story writing, things like that. Right now I'm uh, one of the people on the plot team, is what I mainly help out with. Um, I do a little bit of side helping with the rules, because everything's a little bit... Uh, not too locked in. If you want to help out with something, there's usually something that like people, the rest of staff can, you know, figure out to help you chip in with because everybody has good ideas now and again. So mm-hmm. they want to hear as many as we can. Sure. Um, but I'm primarily into uh, uh, writing mods, writing plot stuff with some of the other guys and girls and stuff. Cool. How long have you guys been LARPing? Um, actually, Patrick is coming up on his seven-year anniversary in... October, and yep. my seven-year anniversary is in November. Yep. Nice. Beat you by a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get started LARPing, and how did you hear about it? We got started at a game called Haven um, that was run by some good friends of ours. Um, well, they became good friends of ours. We didn't know them at the time. But a good friend of ours actually got uh, me into it first. We... Uh, Lived, lived near him at the time. We had just moved up into Stroudsburg, and our uh, one friend, Adam Deroner, actually um, lived up in the area, and we hadn't seen him since high school. And We had each, actually each known him for quite some time before that, like years. Tiff actually knew him since middle, middle school, school yeah. but we had lost track of each other in you know, the rush of life. Mm-hmm. And when we moved up there post-college, he, you know, started hanging out with us again. It was great to see him again. Got and us back into D&D. We were hanging out with that group for a while. And then they, whenever we were with this group, they would start talking about this LARPing thing. And we got we got pretty intrigued. I had a harder time being convinced at first because I wasn't sure how I felt about, like, buffer combat and everything. Hmm. But I was down for the roleplay aspect. So after Patrick went and had a fantastic time, his first event, they were able to convince me that, if I didn't feel like getting into combat, I didn't have to as much, and that I'd really enjoy the, the role-play and the immersion of it. And it had dragon people. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about dragons, so that, does, that doesn't take much to convince me if there are dragons involved. <laughs> uh, how did you two meet, if you don't mind, Sharon? Yeah, we're our high school sweethearts. Oh, nice. um, we met, we had uh, English class together our freshman year of high school, and uh, yeah, we, we started dating the end of freshman year. I want to get off again a little bit in high school, but uh, once we graduated, we got back together officially, and we've been together since. We've been married now uh, almost five years. Married almost five years together. Almost 14 are we doing now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, 14. Wow. Nice. And then how did you get connected with uh, Frontier Dawn Group? Um, so we knew Josh Yoder and Danny Yoder from meeting them at Haven years ago, and we, we developed a close friendship with them there. We continued with them as we, when Haven ended, we all went to another game called Legacy. Mm -hmm. And then once Legacy ended, 
we all um, kind of didn't LARP together for a couple of months. And Josh and Danny found a game called Faglen and got really heavily involved really quick with it. So they convinced us to try it out for a little while. And we said all the time, the game had a lot of potential, but there were some logistical complications with that game. So when that one ended, we were like, okay, well, why don't we do this thing? Because we we were talking about it for years. Like, oh, one day we should run a LARP. Um, but it kind of felt like the whole, like, we should buy a bar, call it puzzles, you know? Like, it, it felt nice. like <laughs> a pipe dream for a while. Um, and then we all of a sudden had this opportunity. There was this void in the community um, because all these people had expected to go LARP the next month and all of a sudden, like, it was over. Um, mm-hmm. So we we basically, within the span of, like, six months, got together with Josh and Danny and the rest of the staff and, like, really, we worked really hard on it. We got, we It was really cool to see the teamwork and, you know, there was always the occasional, like, arguments on because everyone was so passionate about getting this done. Um, but we made it work and it came together in time for our our beta events. Um, at the beginning of the season, and yeah, Josh, Danny, and Josh, Danny, and T decided to form the form the head, as it were, and start up the company on yeah. on the on the front foot, and the rest of us kind of latched on and decided to help in any way we can, and we all kind of just pushed it forward, despite you know we we got a couple of like worried, well-meaning, well-meaning friends. friends. We totally are happy that they cared enough to give us some warnings, but that, like, we shouldn't have, you know, maybe got it started so fast or something like that. Yeah, most games we've been told take, like, five years to write, and (laughs) so we we condensed that timeline a whole lot. We were all admittedly a little impatient and decided that we wanted to start it sooner, so we got it written a lot faster. Hmm. I think it helped, too, that there was, like, almost a dozen of us working on it all together. Um, so what a few people, you know, separately would have taken a longer time. We were able to kind of all take, take a crack at it. And I think that helped our timeline a lot too, because we were all working on it at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've only been to one event, but I would say it's not suffered from starting too quickly. Cause yeah, it was very well organized and there was very in depth. Yeah. And I thought it ran great and was super enjoyable. Thank you. And we can contribute a lot of that, too, to our player base, because I, I love how we've, overnight, we developed this amazing community of people that love this hobby, and it's not, that's not something you find at every single game. Like, you'll find clicks here and there, um, and while we didn't experience that so much at the other games we, we came from, like, we had a pretty good family atmosphere at the other games we came from. I was, I was impressed at how quickly this community coalesced. Well, when you, when you actually look at the population of our game currently we're looking at veterans from several different other LARPs that have been LARPing for years. Some of them have been LARPing for decades. Mm -hmm. And then we've got um, people who are still like in their like less than five year LARPing span. And then we, we have like bunches of people who have never LARPed before and they all come together and form this spectacular community, which has to be said that like people who are willing to come out and do this, this thing for charity and, you know, mm-hmm. deal with all of our growing pains mm-hmm. and all that just says a lot about the community willing to, you know, put up with our shenanigans while we try and put on a great game for them. Yeah. And overall, you're happy with how it's going so far? We're less than a year, about a year in? Yeah. Um, less than a year. Yeah, less than a year. Of the official, like, launch date. Right. This mm-hmm. is going to be the, um, what are we on, seven? Well, April. So we started hatching the idea back in April 
of last year. Well, I wasn't so, counting betas. But so. yeah, that was that was before we even had anything launched. So so it's been like a little over a year when it comes to that. But yeah, what was our first our first event was uh it has gone oh, by, so, by fast. so fast. Uh March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we 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 got a couple of betas in last an alpha and yeah, we got an alpha we got and pre-alpha and alpha and a beta in last year. Yeah, in some crazy whirlwind of creativity. Yeah, and then we managed to get the winter through and start up at the beginning of the year, and we've had a pretty solid, solid year so far. Yeah, that's right. July last year was so hot. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And uh, what drew you to the rules part of it, Tiffany or Patrick or both of you? What was actually what was interesting about it is, is I like was never interested in rules at all before this. Like I would, we would go to a game, and we've tried other games besides Haven and Legacy. Those were just the ones that we like found a home at. Like, but when it would t- be time to go to a game, I would ask Patrick to read the rule book for me, <laughs> and so he would devour it, and then he would come back, and and I would say, okay, here's what I want to play. What should what classes should I pick? And then he would give me ideas, and then I would just read those classes, but. When it came time to develop our system, I found that I had a lot of strong opinions that I didn't realize I had before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it came down to it. I was like, all right, well, you know, if that if there's this need, I would be happy to fill it because I actually like I care so much about this and I didn't ever realize that I would like I do. Um, and there was a little bit of like um, some staff shifting around. There's some people that found that the project wasn't a fit for them. And so once there was a void for it, I was like, all right, well, like I'm willing to step up and take a bigger role. And I, I had a lot of fun with it then. Like I really liked, um, I helped write polymath a lot. Um, and I helped write, um, a little bit of everything from there. I helped reorganize the, the mind, all the casting list and everything. Um, and what we basically did is at one point we were looking at the rules and we realized we liked the skills, but we didn't like how they were organized. So that was, that was fairly early on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I we, remember that. I like, I was like, well, I could help organize them. And I think that's what part of what really pulled me in too, was I saw, I saw how we could put it together. That would make more sense. Um, for the, the vision we were having as we, we were going for class lists and I realized that you know, we're not completely devoid of classes. Like it just mm-hmm. kind of happened, but we wanted to make it more free flowing. And that was something that I was really passionate about from the beginning. Like even before I decided I wanted to help work on the rules. So when it came time to make that happen, I, I was like, all right, well, I'll step up. I'll do this. Cool. So plot and lore, you guys have some hand in that too, or? Uh, yeah. Um, well, when it, when it came up originally, um, the we uh the the way the the company or this particular project within the company is organized it was on, on paper we're technically all assigned things just to you know help the organization of the paperwork for bookkeeping and things like that but when it really comes down to it um if you've got an idea you can you know give it to somebody and they're will we're willing to you know listen see if it fits into things and move it around um one of the, I was one of the three, it was three, right? Three yeah, or four, three. yeah. I mean, Josh was in it too, but he wanted to give you guys most of the control. Uh, the There were three key plot people decided at the start of it, and it's kind of just evolved into everybody can kind of, um, you know, pitch ideas at the very least. Um, and some people aren't as interested as others. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been super interested in stories and writing since I was very young, and um, 
when it came up to it, I definitely I wanted to step up. Tiff and I have been talking about stories for our ideas for games or mods and things before we even knew it was a possibility that we could start our start our own LARP and things like that. So when the opportunity came up, I, I definitely jumped at it. Um, You're really instrumental in make in world building, though, too. Like you gotta you should talk about that a little bit. Um. Yeah. Okay. When <laughs> please. The uh, when when world building came up, I've I've done a lot of world building in the past. I have a lot of experience as a, a DM for mm-hmm. everything back to like the beginning of 3.0 D and D and things like that. So I I do have a lot of experience doing stuff like that. So when the opportunities came up, I I was very interested in things like timelines and making thir- making sure things like. Um, the way kingdoms function and the way races evolved culturally and things like that, like very, very big picture stuff is stuff I was very interested in. Why I enjoy a lot of the little, the little picture stuff, like individual people, stories and things like that. I I very much wanted to focus because on the big picture stuff, just because that made, that makes the world seem more real when you, in my opinion, at the very least, when, whether it's D and D, Pathfinder, a LARP, or anything like that, when you're when your players are focusing on their own stories, mm. if you have a big filled-in world that's organically moving on its own and it has real uh, drive for to do the things it does, like X Kingdom historically wants this. So it's going to go for that goal, and you can work that into your stories. And that that mm-hmm. background current actually helps your your stories evolve. And actually, on several occasions, has already helped us write mods just because the world was already so filled in. We're like, okay, well, if we did this, what would happen? And there was already so many factors involved. We're like, well, this would happen, and this one happened, and X, Y, Z, and the situation practically writes itself at that point. So I was very happy to be involved in, in a lot of that kind of a thing with obviously help from help and push from everybody else. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good story writing going on with everybody else too. Cool. Do you have any good examples that you could share? Let me think with anything. Cause I know, I know the rest <laughs> of the team <laughs> the will. Is, the trick is spoilers. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, spoiler free. I, I do want to, see if I can give you something without the rest of the team murdering me. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, I do have a good example. I have a good example of us writing world facts that has at least uh, shaped player interaction mm-hmm. that I'm actually very fond of. When we wrote in the Therian tribes mm-hmm. and the um, Yomi, the people of Yomi, mm-hmm. We have a couple of Obake players who took that world push really to heart, that there's a little bit of animosity between them. We, we were never really interested in writing outright racism mm-hmm. because we simply don't want to push that kind of subject. But um, for their own reasons the Obake and the Therians have a slight distrust of each other because they're both kind of animalistic races that share a border. They are quite tense. Um, now, there, we have a couple of Obake players who kind of took that to heart 
and use it to shape a lot of their interactions so far. I have a, a, a particular NPC whose name is Truk. He's um, a were-owl from the Therian tribes. And he showed up to a couple of earlier events, and I could not go in the same room as them without them hissing at me. <laughs> and I thought it was absolutely hilarious, because it was never like, no, we're not going to talk to you, no, we're going to like throw stuff at you. It was just a very, like, they took that little animalistic side mm. and just, like... Ran with it. Yeah. Ran with it in in a way that wasn't, you know, the outright animosity, but it was more like the we don't really trust you kind of mm-hmm. thing. And that, that just... I had to stop myself from chuckling in at, char- like out of character, out of character yeah. just because I didn't want to you know break the character and uh, add Roll too point. much levity to the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. But that that's that's a good example of roughly what I'm talking about is making the world seem more organic through these little interactions and drives that push things forward. Sure, and this was unprompted, right? Like these are just players who knew the we- knew the lore well oh, these enough. These are totally right? just players that read the lore. Mm-hmm and jumped into our realizedly very large lore packet. Yeah. We have a, it's over 100 pages. We have, a, we, have a docu- we have a thing called a, the Living Lore Document, which um, is actually more than what's currently on the website, just because it's stuff that um, players, oh. players asked questions about and submitted things, and we thought we'd release the answers publicly in one large document that people could look at. Um, it's I think it's sitting currently around 155 pages mm-hmm. wow. um, of of just general lore about the world, races, things like that. Awesome. So let's talk a little generally about writing mods. Do you try to mix it up a lot? Do you have inspiration, things you draw from? I guess talk about your process for writing mods. Well, I'm I'm relatively new to, to writing mods. I've only written like three now. I think I've got one recurring character that is that started out as kind of just it was just kind of on a lark like we were like all right we're gonna run a pirate mod and we want uh tiffany why don't you play the main pirate and why don't don't you help us write this mod i'm like okay so it was just a random this is at a meeting or in at an event or okay yeah we we um we were writing it up at a meeting and um so it's like all right so i i I helped write it up and we basically i we it started simple it's like okay this character is gonna go out and you know she's a pirate queen and Here's her crew, and they are going to have to fight them. Like, it was really simple. Really, just fight the pirates. Um, And it evolved into... There's all these little, like, inside jokes that started happening on the mod. Like, there was this really ridiculous hat. And I decided on a whim that, okay, the guy who's wearing the hat is the first mate. So then the the NPCs that were playing the pirates at the time were like, well, I'm going to take the hat. No, I'm going to take the hat. And they were fighting over the hat. So I was like, all right, well, he who wears the hat is the first mate. And that became like a rule of whenever I write a mod with this character now, I put that in there and remind the players that, hey, this this hat is now important for some reason. Um, and so when I wrote the next mod, um, I really went off of the way the players interacted with the character and how the players interacted with all of the, the pirates on her ship and everything. And she kind of became like almost like a, team rocket villain like <laughs> like <laughs> Maggie away like at the end of every mod I've we've found a way to fit it in where there's a trap door or like a secret curtain or something where she can run away <laughs> she can hide and run away at the end of it and it's happened fortunately it's happened pretty three, organically each three, time. Or 
three times so yeah. far, I think, that yeah. you've managed to actually using using the in-game mechanics rules, in the game rules, no yeah. no plot armor bullshit. Yeah, that she's just <laughs> actually gotten away. Yeah, and it's so when I so when I write a Maggie mod, I I think about okay, how did the players interact with her last time? Like, what is her what are her motivations now? Um, and so the the first time they burned down her ship. Um, and then the second time they found the cave she was hiding in and they knocked in the entrance and destroyed that on her. And then the next time they found her, she was like mining for crystals because she had this like this cannon, this like arcane cannon that she was using and it needed crystals. She was mining crystals and they came and they interrupted her while she was trying to mine crystals. So she ran away again, but they got her cannon. And uh, so now, you know, she's going to have her. She, she kind of wants her cannon back, but there's other. Now she's without a crew because each time they would, you know, kill off most of the NPCs. Um, so when I when I go to write her mod now, it's like, okay, how did how did the players interact with her last time? What what how do I want to progress the character from here? And um, like, what kind of fun things do we add to this this mod? Because she's it's all the Maggie mods are kind of silly in some way or another. Um, at one point, we had somebody. I basically, I had bought this, like, Halloween costume for this character. I used this Halloween costume for this character. It's literally just, like, a, a dress that is, like, all sewn together, and it's, like, stripey and stuff. And we were like, all right, well, we need a decoy for this mod. But there were no other women on the mod with me um, that were my body type. So one of the guys is basically the same height as me and, uh, you know, same build. It was like, well, why don't you wear the dress? <laughs> so we did a quick change. That's awesome. In the middle in the, of the mod. In the middle of the, in the middle of the fight, you guys step. Wow. We step behind a curtain, <laughs> and he put the dress on, and I ran out the back door and used a height skill, and he went out the front door and lured them away. <laughs> and it, this, it was all kind of, it all came from writing. This came from how silly this character has become. <laughs> and when they found him, he turned around and he was like, "Hello, <laughs> <laughs> were you looking for me?" And, <laughs> It was, it was great. It came, it came out to be a. I'm pretty a, sure he a died before he finished the sentence. <laughs> no, they kept him. They captured him. Did they? But mm. yeah. So I, for me, it's I'm thinking about um, all these different factors then come together, and so now I, I like to just to talk about one other like mod that I've written recently, and mm. not give away any details, but um, I something else that has inspired me for a mod. Like literally, I had a dream the other night, and. The, the dream was so vivid that I woke up and I'm like, oh, I have to write a mod about that. And <laughs> so, and Patrick will attest that I have like epic sagas of dreams where like there's these like elaborate fantasy worlds or, you know, science fiction universes where there are like characters fighting and, and I'm kind all of mad kinds of she crazy doesn't things. keep a notebook on them. That's something I should really start doing, actually. I need to start a dream journal just so it's, <laughs> we can use it as creative fuel for our mods. But um, I, I went to, to Josh and I was like, hey, Josh, I have this idea. Can I, like, I, I literally dreamed this up. Can, can I write it into a mod? And he's like, yeah, go for it. So we're going to, we're going to debut that one this, this month. But nice. um, yeah, when it, when it comes to the more like mechanical side of mod writing, we, um, the, the brass upstairs <laughs> uh, do a good job of setting the deadlines of like, look, the, mo- the mods have to be in by then, then. So that we can, you know, kit the kit them, set them out, and you know, be ready to go a week before, at the very least. You know, like we yeah, try and that get way, everyone done. who needs to make props can make props in time, and 
if there's costuming that needs to be created or, you know, assembled or whatever, we can do that. Um, they, when we write a mod, there's a couple things that, excuse me, that we all kind of try and piece together. So it's like, what's the premise? And then what kind of props are you going to need on this mod or materials or whatever? What kind of special effects does Josh need to pull together with his fog machine and his laser lights and stuff? <laughs> um, and then, you know, what, what NPCs do we need to write up? And that's usually Jake's job. He helps us to create the, the character cards for those, those monsters and stuff. And then just, is it going to be split into different acts? And if so, you know, where, do, where do you want each split to come and how, like, what is the rundown of the mod? So we type all of that up and we submit that, um, on our, like our staff board and everything. So everybody can see it and, and we run with it from there. Cool. And this is kind of the first game that you've been like a plot writer or mod writer for? Or? For me, I I did a little bit of mod writing and a small story plot over at um, Fagland. In, in like the closing months of the game, um, I was asked to write some stuff for for the staff. They liked my ideas, so they told me to write a like a mini arcing plot, which involved. Um, a demon getting loose from a crypt and the players focusing on the, the, the player chaplains having to go hunt it down and things like that. So I got a few, I got a few mods in there, small story arc there. I wrote a mod or two back at legacy, but I was still mostly a player back then. That was more of a, I requested if I could try something out kind of a deal. And they said, yes, mm-hmm. but this is probably, this is the first game I've been uh, full time staff at yeah Yeah, same this is and i don't even have that experience this was i've npc'd at games before and have had the opportunity to play a couple of like recurring or like mod boss type characters but when it comes to actually writing everything this is my this is my first um foray into writing mods does frontier dawn or some of these other games are there a lot of different mods kind of running simultaneously or is there kind of there's this one big thing going on and you can be a part of it if you want, or you can do your own thing back at town. Or there can be the big the big issue that we face running into when we want to plan that kind of stuff is actually um, more involved with our players than on our side. Of <laughs> Everyone is willing to try everything, <laughs> so we have tried to put out multiple mods at a time, and we've found that the first hook will go out and like try and draw the players to their mod, and then everyone's like, "Oh, I want to do that." And the, so then there's like three people left in the inn when we try to send a second mod hook. Mm. <laughs> so um, we've tried that and it's, it, it works with variable success, but most of the time it's, it's tough because we have so many willing people to go out and adventure. So. It, it really does depend on what type of mod, because we're right. also, we all, the whole team agreed fairly early on that we don't really want to say no to a player going on a mod. Right. So like, so we've we've been to some games where they have like class only mods or race only mods, and some I'm sure sometime it'll come up where only certain people can go on a mod. But we we all know how it feels to be the one excluded mm-hmm. because you just picked the wrong thing at character creation and you're not allowed to go on that mod. Right. And we all know how crappy that feels. Yeah, we want to avoid so that. So we we did our we're doing our very best to try and avoid that for as long as we can until it's like absolutely story necessary for X or Y reason. Yeah. When it comes to um, maybe some of the deity role play, 
down the line. That might have to happen once in a while. Um, but it, it'll be more that, like, hey, these players are going to be really involved in it, but if everyone else tags along, they can observe, they can participate a little bit, but, like, these guys are the focus of the show right now. So, but we, we're, and our hope, then, is to do that with every deity and every, you know, every attribute that people have chosen at character creation. It's just, we just, so we don't want to exclude anyone in that way, but. We've we've definitely like like Pat said we've we've had it happen where okay well only only the dragon people can go on this mod so bye guys mm. and I would have to leave Patrick behind <laughs> as I was one of the dragon people and like okay bye I have to go on this mod now I'll miss you you know <laughs> when when part, most of the time we actually build our characters because we go to we've been going to every game together and we've been together longer than we've been larping yep. we always build our characters in tandem so her character complement complements mine and vice versa so when she goes on a mod and i don't it automatically puts us at a disadvantage yeah and, and our, with our past characters mm. and stuff so sure. yeah we don't want we don't want to put people in that that situation if you don't have to yeah i don't think we did that necessarily i mean we sort of our player group the four of us we mm-hmm. sort of thought about that a little bit like party bounce as it were yeah right because you know you kind of go oftentimes i think people who go to a larp together they kind of think well we'll play together um, yeah. you know, if the group, oh, yeah, group is small enough or whatever. Um, and, and does, do you think player base size plays a little bit into that? Cause I would imagine it'd be hard to write a well-balanced mod that is basically everybody when you have people who are like level 10, level one or whatever, you know what I mean? Like how, how do you guys do that? There's always a level of, um, flexibility involved when it comes to putting out a mod. And that's more on uh, sometimes that's goes into writing the mod, but I think sometimes that's also on the marshal that is out in the field, you know, watching what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you write your mod, you always have your own idea in mind, what you, the writer see your mod as you have this perfect little picture in your head of, okay, X people are going on this mod and there's like assumedly an even split of classes and you have that perfect dream situation which literally never happens (laughs) Um, you either get the four guys who are interested to go on the mod and nobody else goes but all the guys who went are spellcasters and they get rolled by a strong beefy monster or something like that or the entire town goes and you only plan for say 12 people in those kinds of situations it's on a combination of who's marshalling and the actual NPCs themselves. Mm-hmm. Cause it's up to who's marshalling the mod to see who's coming, see, you know, what classes there are, um, how many, how few are going on that mod run back to his monsters, you know, all shorter breath with his white headband on <laughs> and going, okay, guys, there's way too many players. You need to like, you need to you need to have at least four more hit points, or they're gonna wipe you in half a second. Yeah, swing, or swing twos, yeah. or or in the other direction, like oh my god, guys, we way overplanned for this. There's like two guys coming on this mod. Please don't kill them. <laughs> um, and then it's up to you know that little bit of um, initiative on the NPCs to look at you know even on a micro scale who they're fighting mm-hmm. and be like okay. My, end of the day, my goal is to make this game fun. Is this guy going to have fun if I just 
unapologetically bash his brains in? <laughs> Should I at least let him feel like he's in the fight for more than a minute before I, you know, knock him to the ground or... Should I pull my punches so that this person can have a cool heroic moment? You know, we we like seeing that kind of initiative, especially sure. when it comes to like people fighting mooks. When you're fighting a little grubbin, this little green goblin man, and mm-hmm. he comes to fight you, you kind of want to feel like a hero, like you can kill him in a couple of sword strikes, and he's just this little, absolutely terrible fighting humanoid. <laughs> But if if it comes in and the person playing him happens to be a skilled fighter, <laughs> happens to be a really skilled fighter, and the person who is not fighting them is really not a skilled fighter, it can totally go the other way. Right. So it's up to them to decide that kind of in that moment of you know sizing up your opponent, whether or not it's okay. Would it help the? Does it help the story for me to unapologetically bash this guy's brains in, <laughs> or? Help this, does it help the story to have this guy feel like a hero? Squirrel feel like a hero. I, I've actually been an NPC a couple of times and gone up as a like in-game really weak monster. I'm supposed to be just this recycling mook with like four hit points or whatever. Go out and I go up again. I come up against just a, this one person who is like a healer class, has just a staff. I know is terrible at fighting, and I'm like, you know what? It it'll be really cool at this part of the story. Like it's literally one-on-one. How cool would it be if this person can go back to their friends and be like, Oh man, I was so scared, but I got this like lucky strike in on their knee and crippled the goblin and managed to get away or managed to kill him or something. And that's the kind of stuff you got to think about, you know, when you're planning mods, when you're marshalling the mod all the way down to, if you're just one NPC, who are you fighting? Mm-hmm. I was wondering about, uh, so we went to that one-day event, mm-hmm. and it looked like everyone just did everything together. Yeah. And we were curious if that was the norm, or when you have potentially a bigger group in the whole weekend, like, do people split off and do their own thing, or does this, the town generally stick together? Um, it depends on the time of day. Um, so it seems like a lot of times, Friday night, Everyone is like, okay, don't go out in the woods alone, first of all, because <laughs> you never know what's going to jump out at you in the middle of the night. Um, but there's, since we tend to drive some of the story and give some of the beginning of the story on Friday night, a lot of people tend to stick around and stick together. A lot of people hang out in the inn for the most part um, and then, you know, go on as many things as they can. And then the time when it starts to get smaller numbers is when people start to go to bed. So then it's, that's when we know to either plan for lighter mods or, you know, have things that are more story-driven and less combat-driven, things like that. Um, all in all, I'd say percentage-wise, probably close to 70% of the mods are the entire town. Yeah. Because they've fallen, they've fallen into the strategy of we don't know what's out there. Right. Which is honestly kind of the culture we've built with our mods and with our plot is that you're in a new world half of these monsters you haven't seen before and you guys are scared of the half that you have seen before <laughs> mm-hmm. like so them you know using tactics and deciding to not run out into the woods single file one at a time into the dark by themselves is probably the right decision but we do like occasionally having you know, less than the entire town mods. It's just up to us to um, 
plan the right situation. Like Tiff said, find the the key times when certain people aren't awake or some people start going to sleep or are not awake in the morning or either out eating or things like that. And sometimes it's pacing too. So if there's a bunch of people that are really tired and don't want to go on the mod, that will sometimes make it that, you know, fewer people come with and it'll end up being a smaller, a smaller thing. Yeah, it's sometimes a strategy of, like, the one-two punch. Like, we'll plan the one mod to be a big, every, we know everyone's going to be involved mod, and plan another mod right after it. Hmm. So we know that some people are not going to go on that mod because they're either going to be hungry or tired or just unwilling to go on a second mod in a row immediately right after. So we, we try and come up with creative ways to figure out uh, when we're going to throw out these varying populations of things. I have to credit Danny with a lot of that, because she's really good at looking at all of the mods that we come up with and piecing them together over the course of the weekend, mm -hmm. so that it's a balance of story, and it's a balance of difficulty throughout. Do you ever do any improv mods? Either, like, a situation comes mm -hmm. up that you weren't planning, or someone has, like, an on-the-fly idea that just gets run? I think in one of the betas, with that big group death or was that the i can't remember when was the um number raid that was the first official event was it yeah so the first actually the first official event there was the main mod for that event was a bunch of yum nums which is a like a tribe of cannibalistic bobbins basically <laughs> um yeah they're terrible jungle dwelling cannibal bobbins and they came out of the forest at, like, Mach 10 with a Triceratops hmm. as, like, living battery ram. So that, was our, ram. so that was our planned mod. We had, we oh, had okay. a big planned mod. That was, the that was the plan, was that they came out of nowhere and did all this, and a, uh, a good chunk of people died. Um, i say seven players. Seven characters. The, the people didn't die. The characters, for, sorry. For, <laughs> for reasons we can't go into... Um, there was a character I had not planned on releasing until way later, um, but was involved in bringing some yeah. of those characters back to life. <laughs> so, at, literally right after main mod, we're all like coming off of our adrenaline, getting all the like barbarian paint off of our faces, and getting mm -hmm. all the furs off of our backs and stuff. And this parade of people come up to the thing like, hey, we're dead, what do we do? And some of them were the normal uh, death system, and some of them had to be handled by my specific specific NPC. So I do get all my, my gear off, um, give, a give a couple of people some, like, um, in-game RP talks, throw on, a, throw on this big cloak and, like, full face makeup get-up, which... Um, again, props to Danny because she helped me get that on in under like five minutes, the face makeup, and had to go out, walk back halfway across the camp where the players were going to be resurrected, where a combo of that happening and a couple of players showing some initi initiative, trying to do what they could to bring the players back through the ritualist class. Yeah, and I ha so we had to walk them all the way back over, and we wanted to reward that player initiative, so we ran like a little mini RP mod. There wasn't a combat or anything, but we had this. I had to go talk to the prominent guys on doing ritualism. They wrote most of it. They have the ideas for it. 
Um, so I had to do a quick talk with them on the aside, get the okay from the, the rest of the plot team, and like be like, okay, we all agree on this? Okay, like all in under 10 minutes, and then go run out to the other side of the camp with these players who are in the middle of like being resurrected. And it's all that kind of... You can't forget to make sure that everything's okay with the whole team, because mm-hmm. you could totally fall into the trap of getting really, really excited about a cool idea and then running off, and then forgetting why that idea is actually a bad idea because you didn't consult with the rest of the team, mm-hmm, yeah. right. and then be like, "Oh crap!" And that's how that's why you run into stuff like plot retcons and really awkward story arcs that have to be resolved in a certain way because one plot guy said X when he shouldn't have, and stuff like that. And but it, when it, it, it all it all happened really, really nicely, and. I would consider that like a big success of um, spontaneous mods just coming out of the blue. We also throw out randoms once in a while. If it seems like, because we, we write a lot ahead of time. It's between like 15 and 17 mods that we've been writing for each month. Um, and if we find that either there's a lull, there's either a lull in the action or the players have done something and we need to have a consequence for it. Um, we'll throw things out. Um, like, for example, there was a time, there was one time where the players had left the inn without anyone really guarding it, and the mod that we had just sent out was a bunch of, like, uh, bandits. So the bandits went and, like, started looting the inn and started a fire in the inn. So then that fire, like, got pretty big. Like, the characters didn't do anything about it for a while, and we're like, all right, well, we're we're in this, like, frontier, like, wilderness wilderness place something's gonna notice that so we're like all right well what are we gonna send out random that would have noticed the smoke and the fire all right well now some more grubbins are gonna go attack so we sent out some random grubbins and that random mod spurred a second random mod because they went out and they captured people and they brought them back because we didn't want to like roll the town after just having a hard fight we were just like well we just wanted to make it clear to them that look if you leave a fire burning unattended, there's consequences for that. So we sent out these these little goblins, these grubbin guys, and they ended up taking some prisoners. So then the town was like, well, we want to negotiate. So then we wrote up, we, we dressed somebody up as like a diplomat grubbin and sent him back out. And he went and negotiated for the release of the prisoners and everything. And so what was meant to be just a like, look, you can't leave fires burning turned into now we have this tribe of grubbins that have like become uh, like they're on like cordial terms with the town all because of this one random event so we definitely allow that to to happen when we can any advice you would give to mod writers or to players playing your mods i've personally really benefited from having a plan going forward in terms of we each have we, we all have a format for uh the mods we write you know we look at the premise which is the bulk of a story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll go through all those steps you know the premise decide what your npcs are going to be list those separately decide what loot there's going to be on what tiff was saying about like maybe it's divided into acts or is it just one big um event happening at a single time and it's not subdivided into any other walking around town or anything like that 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 organization tends to help you looking at it in hindsight. Because when you um, 
looked at something you've written in that way, you can see if there's any gaps missing. You can look at it separately and be like, okay, these are the NPCs separate from everything else. Am I missing something? Is this unbalanced in some way? Looking at it like at the end of the day, when you look, say like if you look at loot and there's like one item, but it's an entire town mod, you're like, well, maybe I should throw something else in there. So if the town feels like they're getting something as a reward or like mm-hmm. maybe it'll make more sense for all of these wild boar to have leather on them. You know, like we're not we're not running a wow thing where you have to kill 45 different wild boar to get one, you know, liver. <laughs> you know? Um, all of these zebras have hooves. Why are none of them dropping exactly. hooves? <laughs> why, why have none of these? Each of these zebras has four hooves. I need two. I've killed forty-five zebra. What is going on here? Nice. Um, That's a throwback. Of, yeah. On the side of players playing our mods, when it comes to Frontier Dawn, if I had any real advice besides the standard LARP advice of like you know. You know, know your buddies, know your strategies, like, standard, like, what is my player good at, you know, who's your accountability buddy, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, Always have your all, buddy. All that kind of stuff like that. What, specifically for Frontier Dawn, my advice for our mods would be really look for creative solutions. Because mm-hmm. some mods are really straightforward. Some mods really are kill the bad guy, and that's fine. But a few of our mods have turned from kill the bad guy into you have a new buddy. A complete like 180 of the mod through clever roleplay. Hmm. The whole fact that there's a spite, giant spider colony nearby that w- that the, the mod that I had originally taken them on was to wipe out said spider colony and mine the the minerals that are in the that giant cave and the players who went on that mod had a different idea and one of them was a uh, a spirit user and had the primal uh source so used her abilities to actually like talk to the creatures and like look around and be like well they're not actually doing bad things here they're not um, evil they're just they animals. don't seem to be evil they're just animals doing their their thing so they decided not to mess with them and left them alone and actually started ending up throwing bodies into the spider caves for the spiders to eat. So now like players have an option of like going to that, the hex on the map and interacting with the spiders and things like that. So that was all player driven off of a single mod that was meant to be an easy throw away. They go and wipe out giant spiders and get some loot out of it, you know, and now Mm -hmm. they're going the complete opposite direction and we're rolling with it because we're trying our best to value player creativity. Yeah, I'm really grateful that at our game, we don't have, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term before, but murder hobos. So mm. basically, <laughs> their their only reason to tag along is to kill everything that they can. Like they And we haven't experienced that pretty much at all at our game. In fact, it's been quite the opposite where, like Patrick was saying, we expected the mod to just be go kill the monster and instead they negotiate with it or they feed it or they, you know, they go around it instead, things like that. So I, I, I always want to encourage that at, no matter what game you go at, like look at these different scenarios from multiple perspectives and see, well, how could I, how could I solve that without just beating it with a stick? And mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes when it comes to it at the end of the day, maybe that's the whole point is you just need to beat it with the stick and get it over with. But yeah, we don't want to discourage people 
when it comes to beating it with a stick because that mm-hmm. is a big part of the game. Yeah, you that's know, part of buffer larping. Buffer larping. Yeah, but we want to. We definitely, yeah, we definitely encourage creative, creative problem solving because that makes it a lot more fun for everyone involved. Right, that thing you didn't see coming, or that, like you're saying, that out- outcome you didn't expect is always better somehow. Even if like you'd heard it beforehand, if you had the options, you might not choose the same one. But right. when you're in that moment and you're either dis- discovering or creating things happening, uh, there's something cool about you know everyone being together and that happening to them. You know, and they make cool stories when you go back to town or you know memories exactly. for playing. So. And it adds in that touch of player investment, which mm-hmm. is always extremely valuable in a game. When when players feel like they can change the story, make it their own, they become attached to the game. And that's really, in the at the end of the day, we want players to come, have fun, and do it for a good cause. And players getting attached to our game because they feel like they're really a part of the story and they're changing the story and um, shifting dr- like pebble by pebble, they're shifting the way the the mountain grows of this game. Mm-hmm. It 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 really uh, it, it really uh, warms the team's hearts to see people you know react like that to the game. And as an aside, real quick, I mean that's that was a big part of um, what we were aiming for from the beginning. Like we wanted our world to be malleable and we wanted the story to be such that um, you know, everyone could interact within it and, and, and shape it as they go along. Um, there are some games out there, though, where the storytellers have a story they want to tell and they would like the players to come along for the ride. And there's nothing wrong with that if it's done right. Like we've And we've experienced that. Um, Legacy did that a little bit, where there was a, an overarching story that they already had most of the outcomes set in mind and we could just basically decide how we um, reacted to those stories. Um, and while that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think if that is the route people are going to go, then they have to realize that it, they're going to have to give players flexibility in other aspects of like, of the game and, and other aspects of the storytelling. If, if, the, if like the main story isn't going to change, then give people their own personal legacy to tell within the greater arc and everything and so i think um there's a good way to do that just has to make sure the players still feel like they have control over what they're doing personally right have you had a chance to run any uh specific player mods like maybe pertaining to their backstory or something uh, a player wants to have happen or have their character, you know, accomplish in, in the game? I'm actually trying to think. We haven't... Well, I've, those have come about um, a little less from backstory and a little more from, actually, consequences of a character's death. Um, because in our in our game, you know, part of the mechanic is you, you die and then there's a consequence when you come back. And um, that's, been, that's been something that we've written mods for. Um, there's been at least you know, three or four different players now that have, we, we've had to write an entire new storyline for them because of the consequences of their of their death and everything and the detriment that they took. I remember the, the one I ran actually as a result of that impromptu, um, like, resurrection mod I was mentioning earlier. I remember the one character 
ruled the proper um, event where uh, my Mistwalker, which is uh, people who are primarily involved with uh, Finnis the Death God and things like that, which is a, a very long story for a later day. My, my Mistwalker had to come out to this character who had died and got resurrected, and the, the issue was he had to make a deal with me for now, because now he, he basically he owed me one for bringing him back. Mm-hmm. And so I had to give him a, a little a little quest to go on to, you know, uh, as, as my favor. Um, he actually had to go and slay this giant, like, tainted scarab beetle monster. And he had to bring me its heart. And I wasn't satisfied to just have the heart as an item card on this monster he had to go kill to bring to me. Mm-hmm. We went and ordered a giant... Um, full-sized gelatin heart, like a cherry, ge- like gummy. A, a cherry yeah. gummy heart, and put it out on the mod. So when Danny uh, was marshalling that mod for me, because I was I had to be in character at a different location to wait for their arrival, and she was carrying around the heart on her so that the actual monster wouldn't accidentally drop it and like lose it in the woods or something. Mm-hmm. So when the monster died, she showed him that like he he has to carve it open and find the heart. And he bring, he brings over. It's actually a pretty warm day, so like the, the gummy heart was like a little like sticky. So it's like a cool, a cool like he's like pulled out of something's chest. Yeah. That. And he brings. So he brings it. He walks it over me. I just see him walking um, up the path towards where I'm standing, where I've been waiting for him this whole time. And he's got this look on his face, like, "Oh man, I'm so out of my depth right now that I'm talking." hand this really gross warm sticky heart to the guy who resurrected me and hope that he's satisfied with our like death deal that he doesn't just take my soul back to hell or something like that and so he walks up and he hands me the heart and i'm like yes yes this is this is quite 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 good and i just right in front of him just like shovel it into my face and take a huge <laughs> bite out of it and just tear out of it. I'm just looking at his face. He's like, oh, oh, God. Uh, uh. <laughs> That's funny. Was that, so is that like a planned thing in between events? You got to plan that mod or like yeah, when he died, yeah. that same event, you came up with that? No, he- that was, that was for the, uh, I, th- I think that was actually two events later because I knew, I knew he wasn't coming back the next event. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he died in the March event and then we waited until he came back in, in May. So we had, we had that, basically, we had that mod on file for when he came back. Oh, nice. And it was up to us to fit it back in whenever he, he showed back up, because it was very relevant to him being alive. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to resolve it as quickly as we could. Yeah. And he had friends helping him, or was this like a solo? Oh, no, he, he uh, brought a good, probably, probably like 60% of the town with him on that particular mod. And we had the giant monster beetle creature... And it had spawned a bunch of smaller beetles because we we assumed he was going to bring people with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I don't think we've run any literal like one person mods that I that I can remember off the top of my head. I may be wrong, but um, that kind of falls into the the statement we had made earlier about like we try our best not to um, run any divisive plot right. so that people don't feel left out. Like we. We've run we've run a few quite a few mods now that are um, based off of one person's actions, but we I, allow others to participate. When it comes to backstories, um, we definitely 
try to keep that in mind overall. Like we, so while we haven't written anything specific for someone just based on their backstory, we have kept in mind that, oh, if we run this mod, since that guy is from this kingdom, he would probably react this way. So we have to keep that in mind when we, when we run this, things like that. Well, it also helped, you know, to anybody who's, who, who's listening, who's uh, going to either coming to the game or going or to come LARP. to the game in the future. Or any LARP. You should submit a backstory. Yeah. Because there is a nice, nice chunky part of our current population, you know, that hasn't yet. So a friendly <laughs> reminder from your neighborhood plot team mm-hmm. to submit a backstory, and it will help us and help you to be more in the game. It'll, it'll, it'll help us help you. Yeah. Cool. Mine's almost finished. I swear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did mine, but I was talking to Evan today about should I rewrite my backstory? Because I had this idea of a character, but when I'm actually at the LARP, I have like totally different motivations and interests right i'd say especially this especially this early in the game and this new to a larp uh this larp in general if you went to your first event and you were like oh man this is what i'm gonna do you get there and just this freight train of an idea comes and takes you in the other direction i'm not gonna hold it against you if you want to change your background i mean the fact that you're willing to rewrite your background and then resubmit it is already more than a bunch of our players have done. So. <laughs> I, like, like I said, we have we have a pretty decent percentage who have, have not yet submitted backstories. Mm-hmm. And while we technically, I don't think we've made it mandatory anywhere in our rulebook, it it does a. I can't express how much a decent backstory helps uh, an attentive plot team. Uh, flesh out your character. It's going to become them. it's going to become more important as your character levels up. Um, sure. In the first few events, it's 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 good because it gives you motivation. Like, what is what is my motivation in this scene? Exactly. But as the story progresses and as your character levels up, it will help us on the staff side to see. Okay, so not only are they going in this direction with their build, but this is what they wrote in their background. So. We can, if we want, we could throw out a mod to do this thing, and that would influence this decision because they've already said they come from this area or they have this belief system, and um, so it, it also will help us too in the future. Um, and I've kind of, I've I've talked about it with some players, and it, we haven't had a chance to officially release anything yet. But eventually, we're going to have title lists where if you have a certain background and you've been role playing in a certain manner then you're more likely to unlock this secret list and get some unique skills that mm. will help you along that storyline. So we want to we want to encourage people to have a have a three-dimensional character and that way in the future when they have like bought every skill they can in their base list if they want to keep playing that character we want to give them other things to do. So we want to be able to offer these other things that will cost build and might cost an insight here or there, but that way you can level up your characters in, in other directions that's one, other than what's already written on in the rulebook. Oh, that's cool. It's especially too, true then with um, deity roleplay. That's something that we, as a staff, hasn't, haven't had a whole lot of time to emphasize um, this season because Finnis has been the big deal because, well, the characters come to this continent and, oh my gosh, people come back from the dead. Like, that's new. So, of course, the god of death is going to be important to the story in the first season of, of, of this story, but um, we want to encourage people to roleplay the other deities as well because that will come into play then later if they would like to pursue that as a pivotal part of their character. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm glad I put that in my backstory. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. Got some really good stories, guys. Anything else? Um, some cool stories or things you guys want to share before we wrap up? Well, I'd love to hear from you guys then um, about how you feel about how the mods run, since we were talking so much about you know mod mechanics and everything. What did you enjoy about the way we, we run our mods? My short answer is I really enjoyed all of them. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> as I like stood back toward the end and like thought about how they all connected, uh, I thought that was really cool. And it was funny because I kind of thought it was going to go one way and it went a different way, which was cool. Uh-huh. That's cool. Yeah, it seemed that everyone involved, uh, like a lot of the specific NPCs, were real, I don't know, committed to the plot or maybe involved enough that they really knew what was going on so they were able to uh, get the PCs involved and, uh, you know, really present a well-crafted mod, you know. Awesome. I thought it was cool, and I actually almost was going to have this be the topic of what we're going to talk about, but it seemed like, well, I guess the short answer is, like, there's, like, a lot of talent on the staff and the NPCs. Like, I could see, like, people really, first of all, like, getting into role-playing and acting, like, Uh these believable roles and, like, just an accent or something that made it, you know, more interesting and more immersive. And with Josh's stuff with the fog machine, the lights and the music and stuff was pretty cool. Uh, And then the that banshee mod where it was like what was his name connor i think it was like yeah. actually, actually playing like a, a recorder like he had like yeah. 10 of them on a sec and then like you were singing like people were like actually like singing and stuff like it, it does just make it like you feel like you're really there like oh really getting attacked by ghosts and stuff like yeah that's <laughs> in this celtic world so yeah pro- props to to connor on on that mod specifically because he he went out of his way to help us with that mod yeah um yeah he brought us his penny flutes and stuff and or penny whistles and he was like okay well i'm not gonna say i can't sing this but i brought these instruments can i play it we're like yeah go for it that's even better <laughs> it did seem like a good mix of different things oh that was one thing i remember the uh, one of the earlier mods when we first met the i think it was um uh, joe was playing the like witch uh-huh. guy um and they did the like what's it called you know the old switcheroo where we thought it was felicia was the witch and then he shows up later i was like oh man that was good because i like (laughs) fell for it because everybody's standing there like okay what do we do now yeah (laughs) and then he showed up and they're like oh the beer is for him Uh (laughs) that was funny there's just a lot of good things although i still am not sure what we were fighting that was like that was one thing that was hard for me like first of all being new and just trying to remember what my skills did (laughs) yeah but like i kind of missed like what we were fighting sometimes like some things were happening like you know because you can't wait for everybody to kind of be paying attention or yeah whatever um but that's you know no it's no fault of plot or the staff or anything it's just one one thing what we've tried to do is we actually did make a bunch of like felt masks and like um like things ahead of time so whenever you see like um for, for mo- like for most part like undead's pretty straightforward like a skeleton or zombie you know we're, we those are pretty obvious masks um but like what we tried to do was like okay if when the grubbins are coming out then we're just gonna like paint them green they're the goblin people and when the muckins come out the they have their they're little like felt masks with the ridges on them yeah so we, we what we try to do is do a little bit of costuming and a little bit of makeup work to do that now it's tougher at night 
because you can't really see mm-hmm. all of that hard work we put into it sometimes. <laughs> Which is but, why um, you're, you're kind of you're always allowed to ask. Yeah. An NPC like what it looks. Well, like. what do I see? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you, you can you know ask him out and be like, hey man, sorry, what what do you look like? It's mm-hmm. kind of dark out or like I didn't get the. To clarify. To clarify, showed up halfway through the mod or something like mm. that, you know. Yeah, feel free to always ask. Right. Thank you so much for having us. This was fun. Yeah, it was great to, great to have the chat. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us and for giving us a little insight into your own process and experiences and what people can expect coming to Frontier Dawn. You want to give a little plug or anything? Oh, yeah. Um, so, FrontierDawnLARP.com. Um, is where you want to go for our rulebook and event dates. And it has a bunch of the uh, like starting snippets of lore on the kingdoms, the races, the gods, all that stuff. All the basic stuff you need to figure out the beginnings of what you're going to do is all on that website. We also have a thriving Facebook community, so you can feel free to search for Frontier, LARP, Frontier Dawn LARP on Facebook as well, and we'd be happy to have you there. And uh, for the company as a whole... The Eternal Pizza Party Productions Incorporated, um, the EPPPI.com uh, is another place that you can go to visit and learn about our company overall. Alrighty, thanks Tiff and Patrick. Good talking to you guys, and it's been great running your mods and just talking with you guys outside of the game. Yeah, getting uh, a little insider information is always nice. Uh, I shouldn't say that, it's more like uh, sneak peeks, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, no, I don't think they gave anything away. Uh, at least getting a uh, you know, glimpse into their mindset when they're running these things and developing them and trying to make them uh, happen. Uh, it's going to be the most fun, you know, is usually the end goal. Right. And I think maybe what I was trying to get at at the top of the episode was <laughs> uh, it's different, like, knowing the actual person who wrote the story of the adventure you're about to go on, you know. Oh, I see. Um, before, I kind of heard the word plot being thrown around, but didn't really know what they were talking about exactly back when we first started LARPing in high school. Right. And it's cool to feel, you know, really a part of the world and have your character influence it and, uh, you know, possibly being sort of written into a story or have our characters in mind when they're planning out what's going to happen to our little settlement in-game. So recently, my character, who's a Wormkin, part dragon, part human... Uh, interacted with these Sorens that were also like that but more tribal. Spoke to another Wormkin in me and really wanted to uh, know more about us and wanted to show us more of their culture and wasn't interested in any of the other uh, characters that <laughs> only wanted to speak to us, which is really cool. It's like kind of a unique little thing that I'd kind of been waiting for, but you know... <laughs> It was just enjoying the ride at the moment. So that'll be fun to see how that plays out. Yeah, that's cool. Well, cool. Thanks again, uh, Tiff and Pat, for sharing your stories and how you get inspiration. And definitely looking forward to going on some more of your adventures. And uh, yeah, just thanks again. And thanks again to Frontier Dawn for including us and showing us an awesome time. And thank you guys for listening. And hope you enjoy and listen to some more.